What's going on, everybody? It's going to be a great day. Because it's Monday. You know what that means? Episode release day, The Madness Show. I think we're on episode 13, and we got a special guest for you. Second time guest. Except for this time, you just didn't bring a spouse. So, you guys know the drill, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome my special guest, who needs no introduction. Give it up for Michael Watson. Hey, Michael Watson. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing better now that you're here. What's up? Woohoo! I couldn't find the applause fast enough, but now you had it. So, there you go. Oh, but depending on, you know, who you are, I do have the children's applause, too. Like, if you want, like, a... You know, like a <laughs> makes me way happier. So, for those of you who don't know Mike, Mike um, is just the man. A lot of cool history that I want to talk to him about of kind of his testimony of things that he's done, just to name a few, like been a bouncer at a club, been a cop, been a soldier, um, a coach, and it's just rad. It's rad to talk about because today's subject. I wish I had a voice. Changer, because we're going to talk a little bit about just manhood, mm. you know, just biblical worldview, manhood, and then um, you guys could check out, peep out his, his coaching stuff, so we'll talk a little about that, but so first, I kind of want to talk about all those things, because I was a club rat, you know, for people that don't know, because like, I was a past, I feel like Forrest Gump without the ping pong, well actually I do play ping pong, but just without the military, I've never been in the military, um, never you know, sh- you still could, never been shot in the bum. I still could. Maybe like a little part-time. I'll get you a little Army Reserve contract. So what came first for you out of all those professions? What was your like first profession? Uh, Army. Army? Yeah. And how old are you and what kind of motivated you to do that? Well, I was 17 and a half. What motivated me? Family? Do you have a lot of family in the military? No, no. None, really. Was, it, mean, was it a commercial? Like, you know, the army commercials, no, like no, no. army of one. No, it was more of uh, where I grew up and just not wanting to fall into all the things that were surrounding me um, growing up. And where did you grow up? Illinois. Uh, a lot of time in Chicago, a lot Ooh-wee. of time in uh, Rockford, which is the second biggest city. Uh, my first English professor in college called it the armpit of America. Uh Armpit yeah. army. I see it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was it. I was like, getting, I'm going to get out of the armpit. You're probably like me. In that, I grew up in South Carolina. I was one of the one of the only white kids in my elementary. Mm. That's yeah, why I'm so cool was. today, like hip hop. But you just got influenced in a different way. Were you like one of the only white kids in Chicago roaming the streets? I was definitely one of the only white kids in my neighborhood, which uh, didn't result <laughs> well at times. Uh, made me get picked on a lot, stuff like that. Were you so. like a fighter growing up? Did you have did you get in a lot of fights growing up? Mm, I got suspended over forty times in the eighth grade for fighting. No way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, I, I know that's crazy. Yeah, I was terrible. I failed the eighth grade. What was uh, your style? Were you like scrappy? Like, were you disciplined as a boxer? Or did you submit them through a chokehold? Like, yeah, I didn't I didn't get into that until much, much later. Um, I feel like eighth grade is just you just swing and hope yeah. you hit something. I grew up boxing. Yeah. Uh, my dad put me in boxing when I was relatively young and always had a heavy bag in the basement. So, so out of 40... Fights, I would say eighth grade Mike was at least like 35 and five, maybe. Nah, bro, I was probably like 20 and 20. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't good. Oh, man. It, 
it, it, it, it probably like half the time I started the fight and then still got my butt whooped. If you, you want to know the truth, you got a tough jaw. I mean, I could take a punch. Uh, you ever been knocked out cold though? To. Never, never, never. I have. I got in a fight at a club, but someone hit me from the side. So I don't even know if that counts because I wasn't paying attention. Doesn't count. I was looking at someone, knocked out, and then all my friends are like standing by me out in the parking lot, yes, like well, three blocks boy. from the club. What's like, today? You okay? Yeah. What's today? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I've been choked out before, but I've never been knocked out. I've had my nose broke, had my eye socket broke, had my cheek broke. I've had some broken bones from getting punched. But. Dang. And thank you for service, by the way. <laughs> How long were you in the Army for? Uh, 14 years. Dang. What's like a memory that sticks out? Like when you think about just manhood and like, I don't know, different societies, I guess, labeled manhood different. But one of the things like for me that was like just a thought or a memory about like for me when I think of manhood and stuff, I don't know why my brain goes to like camping times, like with my dad, Mm. like boy scouts, like, Hey, eat this bug. And I'm like, yeah, not that that's what manhood is going outside and eating a bunch of bugs. But is there something like that? Cause you've, you've done a lot of cool stuff in the military. Is there like a moment that sticks out? That's like, gives you the Tim, the tool man feeling when you're like, bah, 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 uh?" Like maybe shooting a rocket launcher, your shot a rocket launcher? Uh, an anti tank weapon, yeah. They don't call them rocket launchers, but yeah. See, I've I'm a civilian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Shot grenade launchers. I've shot about every machine gun possible. Um, been inside a tank when it was fired, uh, but never done that. Uh, been in a lot of helicopters when they were. You jumped out, right? And stuff like, oh yeah, out of airplane a bunch of times. What's the most exhilarating th- thing you've done? I mean, probably for sure, jumping out of an airplane. I mean, I would say that's into water cool. or land or both. I hate water, absolutely hate it. <laughs> um, no Navy SEAL, huh? I mean, it's just very hard to swim when you got a whole lot of stuff on you. The yeah. first when uh, the first time I ever did a swim test, I want to say it was like a fifty yard swim or something like that. But you had to do it with all your gear, rifle, and all that stuff. And I forgot to unblouse my, so you can tie up your arm pants at the bottom, right? Yeah. They have a string so they're real tight so stuff doesn't go. Well, you have to unblouse them before you get in the water. <laughs> yeah. And nobody told me that. And I get in the water and the legs of the pants just filled up with water. So I had like water barrels for legs and I was just sinking. And the safety, I was just like, help, help. Like I, I probably look like Bugs Bunny, you know, like the commer- the cartoon where he's like putting one finger up two fingers up for distress and then he like he disappears <laughs> i don't know me. i don't know why i just keep thinking of like that's the least manly term for the most manly thing you could be doing like i'm jumping out of plane did i unblouse myself <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah. did you unblouse watson i just can't pick that's just funny yeah. that's yeah. so funny yeah 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 but yeah probably uh, jumping that's when your bags are filling up like that last moment oh, of dude. like someone needs to come and save me i'm terrified of water anyway yeah. and like I've been scuba certified and stuff like that, but like I, I'm terrified of water. Like I hate being underwater. Like everything in me is like, especially open water. I'm like, there's going to be a giant animal come out of that crevice in 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 the water and just. So you don't leisurely. Me up. You're not like a leisurely swimmer kind of guy. Like if people are like, hey, you want to go swimming? You're like, meh. Uh, in a swimming pool. In a swim pool, I'll do that. Uh, in the ocean, I'll do it, especially with the kids. You know, yeah. like I'll go out and play in the ocean and stuff with the kids. But if I if I had my preference, nah, I'm not even trying to go up halfway to my knees. I'm not gonna lie, especially in Texas. Danger. 
Well, it's all muddy water. You can't see anything. Like That's a bull, true. like Galveston, bro. One of those bull sharks that come up and snatch your calf off before you know it. You would never see it coming. I don't I mean, even like ridi- swimming in the ocean. That's ridiculous, anyway. right? Like that probably hasn't happened in a hundred years in Galveston, but that's the first thing. Yeah, my but brain the first goes thing to. people are going to do is go to YouTube and go, "It does happen." <laughs> so therefore, you know, for the next hundred years, I'll influence other people without my calf. So what? So so in the army, what what else is like a memorable like experience of like being in the military? You know, so, I mean, of course, there's lots of things that happen, but you know when I. Probably one of the be- the best memories I have is just sitting on top in Afghanistan, sitting on top of a Connex, which is one of the big metal box you ship, yeah, yeah. ship stuff in, and sitting up there with some of the guys from the team, s- sitting on cots, getting a suntan, like just drinking a Coke or whatever, listening to Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. And like it's five o'clock somewhere, right? And yeah. we're just sitting up there staring off and, like, pretending like we're on a beach. Yeah. And, and getting a tan. And it was just, you know, like, just stuff like that is cool. You know, of course, you do all the other stuff and yeah, you get bonded and that stuff. But just finding that moment of peace and relaxation and just like, oh, man, we're not here right now. You know, we're here, but we're not here right now. And that's probably one of the cooler things. Within that, like, brotherhood? I always think about high school because people always ask me like, hey, do you keep in touch with anyone from high school? Because it's been a while. Like if you're 17, like, do you feel like after you go through the military, like, do you, first question, do you still keep in contact yeah. with anyone from high school? Yeah, for, uh, from high school, a few people, very few. But much uh, more, it, the guys yeah, that you serve sure with probably, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I always kind of wondered that. Yeah, for sure the Army. But, you know, my high school experience wasn't like most people's, I don't think, or maybe a lot of people's, but... I went to a different high school all four years because I failed the eighth grade and then I went back to the eighth grade for a couple of weeks and they're like, well, you're a troublemaker, but you're not dumb. You don't need to be here. So they sent me in an alternative school to start earning high school credits. So I did that for a year. Yeah. And then I went to a different high school and then uh, I moved to Alabama with my grandparents and went to junior year there and then got they were going to kind of, the way their credits work was weird, and I was going to have to go an extra year. So then I moved back to Illinois to be with my mom for my senior year. So I went to a different school all four years. So I don't have, you know, I don't have those same bonds that a lot of people would if you, like, yeah. went to school. When you're the new guy, I feel like you get a lot of attention. Like, each year it's like, hey, I'm the new guy. Yeah, but I don't know if it's always good attention. I'm the new guy. I don't know if it's always good attention, especially my freshman year. I went to alternative Are you a goofy-looking guy, or are you, like, a – Kind of a good-looking dude. I would say that I've blossomed in my older age. <laughs> <laughs> I wish this was live video. We could show pictures of, like, high school you. Oh, you don't want to see it. Well, it depends. Like, not too bad when I got to be a senior, but it, it was – it got <laughs> freshman and sophomore year was a little the sketchy. The zits and, like, the, yeah. hey, guys. Yeah, freshman and that's sophomore good. year was pretty sketchy. I'm not going to lie. Blossom. And then that's when you were in the Army. Like, a blossom going in the I was, like, short army. and chunky. I wore glasses. That's hard to believe, man, because I'm sitting in front of this, like, six-something skinny ripped dude, so it's, like, hard to picture you, like, short, fat, and just... First of all, I'm not skinny, bro. I mean... I'm not skinny, bro. You live in Texas. All things are bigger, so (laughs) when I'm comparing you to most of Texas... I weigh, like, 230. I'm not skinny. Well, not skinny, but... I'm not fat. You're not plump. Mm, mm. You're not, like... I'll take uh, it. 
I keep thinking of Steve Carell in that fat suit in the office. <laughs> I don't know how I'm thinking about that. I did ask my brother this because I'm always curious, like, um, with being, like, a believer, like, did you have to take anyone's life in war? Yeah. And I know, like, sometimes, like, I know, I don't know, I hear mixed things. Like, I've talked to several people. Like, I know that sometimes it's not nice or if someone has, like, a, you know, a memory that just brings them to a bad place or something. But I've always wondered, like, because it's obviously different. Like, murder is different than war, you know, because you see war all throughout the Bible, right? When people had to, like, you know, you just see war all the time. And so I always am curious about people's own psyche through, like, processing it in the mind and then moving past it. And, like, did it take a long time for you to get past it? Or were you already kind of like, hey, we're going to teach you about this context, so don't dwell on it or let it guide you or, you know, distract you or fill up negative space in your mind? Yeah, I don't know, man. I I think for the most part, you compartmentalize things. You don't really think about that stuff that much. And quite honestly, I mean. Is it kind of like war? This is what well, I have you don't to think, do. I mean, you don't think too much about it. You get into a fist fight with somebody, you punch them in the face. Like, you're not like, oh, man, I'm so I'm sorry. still trying to find that face. guy that, you know, hit me from the side, <laughs> knocked me out. I'm still wondering, like, who did that? You know what I mean? No, it's like, mm, this is just what's happening. And I'm not saying it flippantly or anything like that. It's just. I don't think you'd think about that. It's more, well, you're shooting at me. Like, what What am I going to do? You know, do you feel like at all that, like, video games has desensitized most people in, like, like, so someone that didn't have video games, right? Yeah, and then you go it. into war and you have to shoot someone in the head to take them out. Mm. Do you think, like, nowadays, because kids have already been playing games that look so real, do you think that has made any kind of difference in war of, like, kids that? I don't. Maybe. I know the, it's an off-the-wall the, question. No, no, no. You know I mean, maybe I the occasional psychopath. But, <laughs> I mean, for I would say that they make, probably for the most part, make kids more sensitive than anything. Like, yeah. That's my opinion, of yeah, course. Yeah. Like, I feel like I was more callous and, like, more hard-hearted toward people before things happened and before I saw a lot of things that made me infinitely more sensitive about those things. Like, it didn't make me – it didn't – create the opposite like it didn't create somebody that didn't care like yeah it, it created somebody who cared more about people and what was going on for them how many different um tours did you do uh four four and then how does the army work is it like uh, every four years you recommit or is it like year by year how does depends. it depends i mean uh, your initial enlistment's always eight years um, yeah. depending on what you do it can be a two-year active six-year inactive reserve it could be four and four it could be six and two or you could do a straight eight yeah and then you just up Re-up from there. So it just depends. Yeah. It can be anywhere from two to eight years, really, though. Dang, 17. That's awesome. But most people do a four-year, 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 something like that. Yeah, especially, like, you did some cool stuff. You were, like, sound like you were, like, infantry getting to shoot the cool guns and be, get to be in a tank. Yeah, well, I did communications and communicating with helicopters and airplanes. Now, do, and do you guys, like... Is Charlie, is that a real thing? Because in the movies you go, Charlie was everywhere. Is that even uh, real? I mean, not unless you're 80 and you're in Vietnam. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, I mean, it's probably frowned upon now, but yeah, I mean, that's what. <laughs> yeah, I guess too many yeah, movies yeah, yeah, yeah. for uh, me anyway. Yeah, I, you got to be like, geez, how old will somebody in Vietnam have to be? I mean, well, Vietnam, the old Viet guys that want to Well, Vietnam, of, their... I'm 46 and Vietnam officially ended in 1975. Yeah. So. So, yeah. but do you meet like bro, a lot of old timers? Old, do you meet old timers that were in war that you're that that 
say things that you're like, oh, that's that's cute. Well, <laughs> well, no, 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 or not no, cute, I, but like Charlie no, and some of the old stuff. You know, like, I got, I got the utmost respect for the guys who have fought in some of the other battles because our wars that we've been in are different. It's just different. Like they were a completely different thing, you know. And a lot of the people, I mean, World War Two super supported by the people of the country and really the world in general, except yeah. obviously our enemies. And then Vietnam, every, you know, the guys who I would probably meet and know for the most part, like those guys didn't come home to any kind of fanfare or people respecting what they were doing or anything like it was, Yeah, you know, it's like they're That's going over point. there, they're going over there sacrificing their, their lives, their emotions, their minds, mm. their relationships, all this kind of stuff. And then they come home and, they're just, I mean, they're crapped on. Yeah. By by people. Yeah. Like as if they started the war, and they were like, you know what? Let's go to Vietnam. You know, it's like not no. a top destination for. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm serving my country. I go do what I'm told, yeah. and then you want to abuse me for doing what I'm asked to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And then and then not even the vast majority. A lot of people were made to go do it. Mm-hmm. Like I've been drafted, you make me go do it. I don't and win then you're anything. You're mad at me when I come back. But I feel like I'd just be lucky enough if I live, if I was in that era to be like, okay, you won. What did I win? <laughs> that's that's the kind of like I feel like I would have. Um, let's see what else. So, seventeen years, and then like, and that's kind of cool. You said like the most memorable moments was not shooting a rifle or a sniper or in a tank. It was I don't just think that's the kind of hanging thing. out. Yeah. You know, kicking back with the guys. Meeting other dudes from other countries, you know, uh, training people, going to a lot of really cool, look, you know, places and doing missions with people from Germany or France or Italy or the Greeks. And, like, yeah. you meet all these people or the guys from How long is the New tour? Zealand. Like six months <clears throat> to a year? Or? It depends. I mean... Like uh, Air Force people sometimes go 60, 90 days. Like they got kind of short yeah, yeah. turnarounds. Um, Army, Marine, you're usually doing 11 months. Is that your longest tour was 11 yeah. months? Yeah. yeah. Dang. You How many countries Because you, you do 30, you know, because you get 30 days leave a year. Yeah. So you got 11 months and then you go, you know, they bring you back. How many countries would you say you've been to? Oh, I don't even know. At least 30. If I had to guess, Dang, dude, that's crazy. I've been here. I mean, I'm guessing. <laughs> I've been I'm to guessing. Mexico. I'm that's guessing, it. you know, but yeah, probably thirty. Because I've been to pretty much all of South America, Central America. Mm. Do you have, still have a desire to travel, or are you kind of like I've been there, seen that, done that? No, I love traveling. Like yeah. I really, I really, really enjoy other cultures. Now, I don't like yeah. to travel. Like go to. There's nothing wrong with going to a resort. Resorts are cool, but I much prefer to go to a place and like get into the town, live with the people, like know what they yeah. do, talk with them and like live life how they live. So on the subject of manhood, would you say that is, what would you say are some commonalities or some differences of just the topic of manhood and what that looks like from other countries maybe that you've seen or something that has stood out in a country? Like for example, mm. I have one friend that talked about like kind of like in cultures, you have the rites of passage, like, you become a man today, so this is what that represents and how in America we don't really have, like, a rite of passage or, hey, you've turned 12 or 13, let's go kill a bear. Or, you know, historical, like, stuff like that. And so I do have a friend that, like, when his boys, he has three boys, and when they turn a certain age, he's going to, like, 
do kind of something like when they're 12 or 13, like for him and his family, I thought that was a really cool way to do it. But is there something you've seen? I would seen? say that, I mean, it, I think the word that stands out to me is responsibility. Um, I think that that's probably like seeking and desiring responsibility is probably the thing that stands out for me when it comes to being like considered a man. Um, yeah. Like, do you meet the responsibilities you know, are you trying to live a meaningful life and, and have responsibilities and live up to those responsibilities? You know, everywhere you go, it's like you have a, and I think we lose that here, but. Well, especially with the people society. Who, the people who you know, though, that you look at and go, man, that, that's a man. is going to be the, the person who stepped up to the plate and owned the responsibilities he had, whether that's being a good husband or being a good father or to being a good son when your parents get sick. Yeah. And, and taking care of the, the people around you. And, um, it's the same everywhere. Isn't it like interesting though, like media or the Bible or anything and the influence it has on our perceptions of what we see to be like a man. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's, that's being macho. That's not being a man like that. That's a true. That's a different thing. You know? Yeah. Like you, well, maybe you would, but maybe you got a guy who hunts fishes, does all the things under the sun, but then he's a derelict with his children. Yeah. Yeah. I get like, Oh, he's a man. It's like, no, I guess like it's what someone perceives when you say you're a man, manly. Manly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it may semantics or like say a word and then I get a certain, image in my head like when it's just like that's a man's man yeah but that's probably macho man yeah but that's kind of the problem never do a slim gym brother right stuff like that that's the problem though it's like that's what we like we view that guy with you know the the beard or the truck or the ghost hunting ghost fishing uh you know i didn't even check one of those categories myself i drive a prius i don't have a beard well kind of very sad excuse for a beard it looks like a dirty marker smudge on a picture. More like a chin neared. It thing. looks like armpit hair that someone put on my face. Let's be honest. But I just have a Prius. I don't have a beard. It doesn't. I haven't been in the military. No, but you are the thing that I was talking about. Yeah. Like you are responsible and step up to the plate and own the responsibility and and love that of taking care of your kids and your wife. Yeah, that's my, I love, I mean, that's my favorite And the people around you and and doing all those kinds of things. Like, that's being a man, right? Yeah. And of course you want adventure and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's just ingrained into you. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you're competitive, like you love competition and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's ingrained into you too. Yeah. But I don't think that's what makes you a man for sure. You know? Yeah, I I drove a Prius. Yeah, but it took me a long time to find that. Yeah. You know, because I, I, at many different junctions of my life, I wasn't like, I took care of my children and stuff, but I didn't do the right thing by my wife or I wasn't doing the right thing in the church or I wasn't, you know, like I wasn't stepping up to all the responsibilities of what being like a real man would be. How long was your, um, so I'm going to get to kind of that here in a second sure. with what that line of thinking and mm-hmm. where, where you are now and what your season looks like is pouring back into other men like in what you're going to be doing or what you are doing. So when you were done with the army, did you become the bouncer or did you become the cop mm-hmm. after that? Yeah, I was a, I was a police officer. I was did that a, just a natural transition of like, 
yeah, I've been in the Army, now I'm going to be a cop. I guess. I mean, I had an interview. I was like, yeah, I think I would like to do that. And um, I thought it'd be fun. Well, thank you for doing that too, by the way. Yeah, of course. How long course. were you a cop? I mean, technically eight years. But a lot of the time, I you know, I spent deployed and doing different stuff because I've... Oh, so you were I enlisted kept, while you were a cop. Yeah, yeah. I wow. kept being redeployed, yeah. So technically eight years um, or nine, something like that. And if you guys know the Madness Show, nothing planned, not unedited, raw. So I just asked like random questions. And what's the craziest thing that you've seen as a cop? Because I feel like I have cop buddies that are like, man, there's this one time I went into a situation and they just have these crazy stories of like um, situations. If it's okay to share on is the air. supposed to be gross or? Family friendly. I don't know. Like, is there like a, I had to arrest a cop, uh, a clown because he was punching people at a Walmart. Yeah. Or I don't know. Or I, or I had a domestic abuse situation and there was an 80 year old and he was married to like 30 year old. Yeah. I don't think I'm I sure have any. a crazy situation. Or, I, or I, I pulled someone over and they were dressed weird i don't know i think the craziest stories that i have are probably way more gory i don't think that i have anything particularly Uh, okay nothing weird i guess i don't know no gory so like responding to calls that there was violence or homicide or suicide or uh, yeah yeah yeah. car accidents um, yeah stuff like that um which makes me think of a I, i do have a friend who is a cop who has seen a lot of that stuff and he said that like something happened where he had to learn how to uh, cope mm. with the crazy scenes he saw. Cause if someone gets in an accident, there might be body parts. I mean, so he said he had to learn different things to help himself cope with what he saw. And part of that was humor. Mm. Well, I would say for him, listen, dude, everyone's if, different. Right? If you know a nurse that works in an emergency room, you know, a doctor that works in a nursing or in a, in yeah, a yeah. emergency room. If you know a paramedic or a police officer, or a firefighter, those are some of the people with the most dark, like humor on the planet. Yeah. Because they have I mean, to cope. Yeah. Right. Well, you either laugh or cry one or the other. And I think like, yeah, I, it'd be hard. It'd be it hard is a coping mechanism. And, but at the same time, you know, a lot of it, all that stuff just manifests itself somewhere else. If you don't. Yeah. Learn to deal True. with it. And that's, that's, that's good. I just remember one scenario where he said there was like a severed hand mm. and his partner's like, Hey, give me a hand with this. And then he threw a hand to his buddy. That's awful. It was very awful. I got to yeah. hand it to him. Yeah, Probably so, not a, yeah. ah, a great. <laughs> sorry. Do you have a ba-doom, doom <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's on a different page. Oh, gotta go. Okay, so I mean, Army I saw a guy that got in a, 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 a motorcycle accident Yeah, trying to weave somebody and go like on the inside, but there was a concrete wall yeah. and then a, like a light pole. Hit his head, took his head smooth off, still inside the helmet. It's unbelievable <laughs> that he would... Weave through that traffic like yeah. that. And then the motorcycle just kept going down the road and literally just kind of slowed down, slowed down, and leaned against the wall. It was like just... a head start. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done. Sorry. Sorry, Cecil. Shout out to a number one fan listener, Cecil Keithley. What's <laughs> up, buddy? <laughs> um, okay, so then Army, then Cop. Tell me about the bouncer thing because I – I'm a pastor now, but I was like, before I got saved, yeah. I was all up in the club. Yeah. And guys like you would have thrown guys like me out. So I'm just wondering, like, how did that happen? Was it a long yeah. season? It's probably not short, huh? Uh, like, no, I did it for a few years, actually. But, you know, it was like working at high-end nightclubs, you know, like yeah. guest, guest list only type places. Um, 
Because you kind of have a I resting work. serious face about yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, Like, I could see you posted up at the door just like, get out of here, dude. Yeah. Or like, those girls can come in, you can't come in. Or 100%, something like that. 100%. <laughs> Put that money in my hand, bro. We're not talking about nothing. Do bouncers make good tips? Like, people trying to get in? Like, on the high-end stuff? I made a lot of money. What's the most in one transaction that someone gave you, like, the cool high-five? And then they slap money in your hand? Mm, well, cool high-five, probably a couple, 300 bucks. But... Just to get in the door, like, yeah. hey, here you go, man. Yeah, yeah. And that wasn't even the cover charge. We didn't charge cover. You had to get a VIP table or be on the guest list. Dang. So did you mostly work outside at the door or did you stand by the VIP section? Like, hey. I was outside mostly. Dang. Making sure, checking. I got to decide who came in, who didn't. Now tell me about that because that's got to be interesting. Well, I mean... How I got into it is I went into sales. I went to work for AT&T, which made no sense whatsoever, except I knew how to talk to people. And I was like, yeah. well, how can I make money? And I, you know, I'm not you're, a doctor. You're selling entry into the hottest club yeah, yeah. in town. Well, then I had a friend that worked for this club and I knew he made really good money. And I was like, he owned hey. it or he just no, worked, no, he worked there. He was the original guy who did what I did. Give me a salary range for a bouncer. You're not talking about salary. You're talking about. They pay you X amount of dollars. Take three bouncers. They fill out their 2020, you know, It'd sap, be like a like, bartender. Uh, about 10% is going to be reported. So you think you'd be like 100000 though, a year maybe? I made like 150 bucks a night cash plus all my tips yeah. that people gave me. Plus I made commission off of all table, like all bottles. Did you ever sales. meet someone like, hey, I need your protection from being a bouncer? Is there anyone that like, hey, be my security oh like somebody asking me to do security yeah like a famous person or no, high no, end no, did no, anyone no, ever do that no. well not exactly uh i did end up uh, running security like dirk Nowitzki's birthday a couple times i just feel like i'd be so weird enough that i'd be like hey how much for you to follow me around and act like like you're my security guard <laughs> i mean if you got money to throw away i'd be happy to do it <laughs> just think, well not now mm-hmm. pastors call those armor bears now you mm-hmm. just follow me around like hey you got, you got a question <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'd be happy to do it but anyway i just had a friend that did it and i was like dude if you ever need help i'd like to make some extra cash because you know i had the kids the kids were teenagers yeah i took a huge pay cut when i left police work um i just couldn't do it anymore like i was just yeah. mentally i was over it yeah i bet and uh and then he had me come start helping him out like a couple, three nights a week, you know. So what's the, who's just, the most famous person you met doing that? Uh, I don't know. Like, I met a lot of football players, a lot of baseball players. Hey, you meet like Tom players. Brady or like? Uh, Tony Romo. Okay. Hey, yeah. all right. Like, uh, actually wrote. Uh, my, well, my, we're in DFW, so that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, my wife and I, um, the owner, he used to take all the people from Fort. We had places in Dallas, too. And he yeah. would take people. We'd get all on a party bus and go to one of the clubs on Thanksgiving yeah. night and have a huge party with all everything paid for. And there was a night that uh, after the game, Tony Romo was there and Mike Napoli was there and there was all these other guys. And then a couple times yeah. after after the Rangers won their uh, – Whatever, whatever league, whatever league they fell short, you know, know, uh, the American League uh, (laughs) West, they came down like they do their after party at one of the clubs I worked at. And like, was Mike Napoli fit? Because I always thought he looked kind of chubby. He's a big guy. He's a big guy. Yeah, he's like a DH, right? Yeah, and then uh, like Elvis Andrews, Alexi Ogando, and a bunch of those kind of people. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. cool. I mean, it's cool. I mean, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. So, what did you do after being a bouncer? Is that when you found the job that you're at now? Well, I 
like yeah. sales? I mean, I still did that for a long time um, until I found the, the company that I'm at now. Well, actually, I quit before I ever got to this company. I just, you know, I'm married. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you ever get punched as a bouncer? Nope. I have people try. Uh, I don't like there's a lot of fake ID is that happening a lot all the time yeah that's a huge thing especially in Fort Worth because TCU's there yeah TCU's there how often they come by there's a a huge there's a huge uh, I'll call them travelers like there's a huge group of travelers that come through White Settlement all the time out there in Fort Worth and um, they're there for a short amount of time for a couple three months or something and man they try to come in the clubs and they'll be like They'll be 30 deep and be like 20 girls and 10 guys and every one of them are underage and every one of them have fake IDs from like Washington and Montana and Nevada and all these. I'm like, dude, get out of my face. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, he knows it's fake. That's crazy. So you had to send them all home or else you get in trouble, right? Mm, I mean, there was times that we let them in. I mean, they got IDs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you got to pay to play. That's true you got, too. You got to pay to play. But then if they try to order something, do they double check it there too? Like, hey. nope. No, no, no. If I say they're good, they're good. Yeah. But all we had to do is let them go down there. They'd reserve a whole thing. I'd get paid yeah, yeah. over a thousand dollars. Let these, let them in. They go down there, go up by the fireplace, get inside the VIP section. The young ladies didn't even drink. Only the guys did. They just sat there. The girls didn't dance. They didn't do nothing. <laughs> and we'd wait about thirty minutes. They got a few drinks in them, and then we go downstairs and be like, "Hey, man, you guys better watch out. The cops are coming down. Check IDs." And then they just all run out. <laughs> There's a guy code word pineapple. Oh my gosh, everyone's out. Like we literally just go <laughs> tell them that, and they just scatter like cockroaches. Dang. And I don't know I'm if they were of age or not of age, but they didn't yeah, look yeah. of age. And yeah. Anyone ever do something crazy like put a fake mustache on or something like that just to look <laughs> like they were old enough? No, 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 no. I just I used to have a lot of people come up um, and say like, and I knew they were underage, but they knew the owner at the time. They'd be like, "So and so told me," and I'm not gonna say his name, but so and so told told me to tell you to let me in. I'd be like, "Is that right?" And then I'd text him and be like, "Dude, really?" He'd be like, "What?" You ever take a photo and send it to him like? He's staying right there. Take a picture. And I would, I would literally, <laughs> I would say, no, not going to happen. This is the owner. I'd be like, not going to happen. And I'd tell the girl and her group of friends or whatever, be like, i tell you what you do. Call him now. Tell him to come up here and let you in that door, and then you can go in all day. But <laughs> until awesome. you can get him to come up here from his apartment, it's not going to happen. I guess I do see you guys kind of a macho-y kind of guy. Me? Yeah. Nah. Yeah, dude. Let's go down the checklist. You have a truck. I do. You own a cowboy hat. I do. You own a gun. More than one. Been in the military. Uh huh. You've been a bouncer. Mm -hmm. That's cool. That's macho to me. That's like, like some people look at like manliness and like how many tools does he have in his shed, you Mm -hmm. know, or things like that. But I guess I I see you as a macho kind of guy. I guess. It's just cool because I could. Knowing you personally and hearing you sometimes make the Mike Watson face and going, no, <laughs> I picture that at the club and I picture that like even in war or whatever, like you just being like, no, no, <laughs> no. Like I would, someone needs to make a t-shirt out there with your face on it that just says no. No. I'm down. That's so good. That's, I, I mean, don't I even know if I, I have a wear my own t-shirt, but I'd wear it. No. I don't even have a catchphrase. No. Do I? I don't know. I don't know. You've known me for almost like a year. What do I have like a catchphrase when I'm preaching? I'm like for over a year. I do say you guys a lot from the pulpit. Yeah. 
or you know what I'm saying, I do that one too. Some people I'm use just uh playing. or uh-uh. um. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I do that. You say so I'm just my playing shirt all would be my time. face I'm with just I'm just playing. Yours I'm would be like playing. um no. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Two shirts out there if you're listening. That'd just be great. So anyway, yeah, I did that for a long time, but you know, I got married. So funny. I actually met my wife at that club. See, that's and, something uh, we have in common. We both yeah, met our wives at and a then club. We only knew each other three months. We got married, and that's been 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, that's so, cool, man. So, uh, at least you met her f- from the front. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> and you know, and it's like we, I did that for probably, I want to say two or three more years, something like that. And then it was just like, what are you doing? Can't be hanging out with all these yahoos all the time, you know. I'm getting so old. So how did you how did you come into your faith? Like how how did you hear about Jesus and like what when was that? I mean, I heard about Jesus through when the I, wife or no? No, no, no. I, you know, I was a small kid. Honestly, I, my grandparents, for the most part, raised me. My dad's parents. Um, I attended a Pentecostal church growing up, like fire and brimstone. Pastor on the yeah, jumping around on the pews and ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was probably about. 35 people maybe at Souls yeah. Harbor Temple is the name of it. SHT. And, and uh great people though, just a great yeah, yeah. man. Uh, his wife was great. My grandmother sang in a like a, a gospel like bluegrass gospel group. No way. Right on. Traveled the country doing that when I was a kid. I guess how old were you maybe when it just that moment where it came real cuz I kind of grew up mm. in church too, but for me it was like 22 was like the specific moment in my life that I was like, man, this is this is real. I'm going to I'm press into this and I would say real. I was maybe 22, 23 years old, you know, but I've had times of walking away. But know? in the times too, like war, being a cop, even bouncing or whatever, has there always been just like moments where like, say you're bouncing at the club that night and then you just have that thought of like, man, is this what you want for me, Jesus? Like mm. did those thoughts kind of, I had lots of thoughts like, what am I doing here? You know? Yeah. But you, you know what the crazy part is? And, you know, this isn't a knock on, you know, the, the church or anything like that. But some of the people that I was friends with in that life, you know, and even as a kid, like in a, in, you know, roughneck type people, but the friends that I made in that life have been more in touch and more loyal in you know, the people that, you could call it three o'clock in the morning, like, dude, I got a flat tire. Can you help me out? And they'd be yeah. there at the drop of a, you know, drop of a yeah, hat. Yeah. And they were just loyal, good, you know, good people. Yeah. Not living a quote unquote good mm-hmm. life, but mm-hmm. good, like good hearts, you know, yeah, yeah. like good people. Um, and it took me a long time to find that in the church. Yeah. Where it wasn't so, seemed like fake or s- surface level or, convenient i'll say convenient it's like eh, we're friends as long as it's convenient yeah um took me a long time to find that in the church yeah but i would say you know i was probably in my 20s you know but um i've always had a very wild side of me um dying to get out wasn't really uh raised in the best of ways a lot of times either didn't have a lot of good examples so it's taken me a long time a lot of mistakes and a lot of falling flat on my face to stand back up before being where I am now. Have you? Un- are you allowed to unveil to my seven listeners your your coaching website name and like what you're going to be doing? So I don't have. 
technically I have a <laughs> website, but it hasn't been built out yet. Um, you know, I've made logos and stuff. I, I'm so loath to write. Like I just hate writing, you know, and to build a I website know, and to, you know, to build like to build a website, you got to be able to write copy and, you know, you got to write all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm just like, Bleh. like, I hate it. Like, I don't even yeah. want to, you know what I mean? Um, you know, like my Instagram's revive manhood coaching. Um, yeah. so I'm there. I just um, think that's such a cool name. And, and, and for me, those words together and the purpose they may bring right now in our time and our culture and, and coaching. Cause that's where I wanted to get back to is like all the things that you've done and kind of mm-hmm. where you are now. And even watching you coach guys at our church or just pouring into people is, is really cool. Yeah. I mean, I think I've always had a passion for that. I mean, even in my job now, I'm an individual contributor at my company, um, but I'm part of a team and, you know, there's been some opportunities came up recently that I've thought about going back to leading a team because that's just where my passion is, yeah. is to pour into people. But, you know, people in my team that I've talked to about that in the last couple of days, actually, I'm like, bro you don't see that you do that to us all the time. <laughs> like you're constantly yeah. feeding, you know, like pouring into us and, you know, coaching us and leading us, you know, I don't even think you realize you're doing it, but you're doing it and we all appreciate yeah. it. So like stay here. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, I've always had that passion, you know, like to help people. Like I've always wanted to help people. That was always my motivation for everything else I did Yeah. was to help people. It just, and some of those things you realize I'm not too sure that right now I'm actually helping people. Yeah, it's a good good question to ask yourself. A lot. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. I, I mean, un- undoubtedly, there's things that you do that help people or save people or, you know, all that kind of stuff. But who knows? I'm just saying that if you ever wanted to get on top of a shipping container and pretend we're on a beach somewhere, I'm down. Bro, you know, I got the land. Let's go. I'm just saying, I'm going to find out a shipping get on top. No, we'll just get on top of my camper. There's a train station that walks at you. We can go on there. Like, hey, guys, you guys need to get down. <laughs> guys get our Hawaiian that. shirts or our golf shirts. <laughs> our golf shirts with we do pineapples. Have some pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I should say their name until they start paying me on this, you know. Oh, no. Let, let's start. There's 600 downloads on this thing. 600 people have heard this. Yeah, start you know? name dropping. You never know. Start hashtagging oh. that stuff on your stuff. There's some good golf polo shirts out there. I'll just say that. Oh, man. I'm going to reach out to them. Say, hey. <laughs> Sponsor it. You want to get some reach? Dude, I love doing commercials. I just be like, Are you tired of wearing those same dull shirts? You know, I just, I don't know. I like doing voices and I can, you know, yeah. who knows? Who knows where it leads? Yeah, you can start. But even like this, over. even like doing the Madness show with different interviews and different topics, all leading to like, man, Jesus is it. Like, he's everything. Yeah. And, and the influence he has on our lives and the stories that we've gone through. And not being so naive, I feel like sometimes in the church there's this naive thing like oh, I can't ever talk about my past and things that have happened, you know. I mean, um, what brings people to you other than your testimony? Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to think. Of, I mean, some of the people in the church that I talk to and stuff, it's like it would be very hard for them to relate and open up and share with somebody else that's never experienced, like been through any yeah. real hardship. Never. I'm creating know. a fake character in my mind. Like, hey, I'm Dave. Welcome to our church. Never yeah. been anywhere. Never gone and done anything. Never said a bad word. Never did this. Yeah, never did I, that. I feel like there's Dave might be a real character, just but, not named Dave. Yeah, Dave is like an example of God's keeping power. Like, that's great, man. That's so cool because he'll reach people that me and you can't reach versus like you reaching right. people that hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. But I think I mean you got to have the, the relatability when you have 
when you've been through things and stuff like that, people relate to you and it's like, oh, you get it. Like, yeah. you, you see me. Like, you, if you've been there and now this is where you're at, I can do that too, you know? It's like yeah. having somebody that for exercise or weight loss or something like that, when you see somebody that weighed X amount of pounds and they lost 150 pounds and they're like, you can do this too? Yeah. You're like, dang, you're right. You can do that for sure. I can do that. Like, it just inspires you. I've had that inspire me. What one man can do, another man can do. Like, if you can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Except for in that context, I was trying to change an electric plug and almost burn the church down and kill myself. But now, I'm thinking of, like, commercials for, like, coaching. Like, revivemanhood.com. Or, you know, I'm just thinking of, like, get slapped into gear. <laughs> I don't know. Just That's fun, man. And I think... I can't for, wait you know, for you to send me your Oh, I got it. Like, I don't know. Heartbeat to be a man. Revive it. Or like, you know, I don't know. Like, if I put that yeet sound on the other, like, you know, you come in to the coaching and your life is this. A big, fat fail. And you leave. With like, What's wrong with you, man? In a world of positivity. Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> it's because I'm kind of tired. But so it's cool hit, getting to hear at least just touching the surface. Because if you guys get to know Mike, there's obviously a lot more than just like, you know, the than what we've talked about today with even like your, like some of your testimony that you were talking about with your dad and stuff that other people don't know. But, you know, Taylor is talking about manliness, manhood, and just different things and and wanting to have you share even that that you coach and revive manhood, like that specialty yeah. of guys looking for that type of coaching. Like I think it's so cool and I'm want to support you in that and you know let the listeners hear because I there's some people from listening in Alaska. I like uh po- shout out to uh, Podbean because I can see where people listen from and how long they listen to. Like <laughs> the whoever you are in Alaska right now, thank you. The Lord bless you. And there's like two of you in Virginia. I don't know you. Thanks for listening. And shout yeah. out to number one fan yeah, Cecil. Thanks for listening. Cecil's been here since the beginning. I got to shout him out every time. Appreciate you, Cecil. Yes, man. Cecil gets his own noise. The Madness Minute. That's obviously my voice, but Cecil's supposed to come here, and we're supposed to do some some sound effects together, but I just don't have the money to pay him yet. I'm going to pay him in food stamps. Rock on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so ending, what is something like maybe if today and they see the subject and they go, man, talking about manliness, with Mike Watson, what's what's like a big piece of advice that if you only had one piece of advice to the to men everywhere, what's something that you would you'd say? Wow! Don't avoid responsibility. Find you can't find. even turn that into shirt. Dare. Don't avoid responsibility. Yeah. What's the E? What's you the E stand for? You know what I'm saying, though? Like, yeah. own it. You know, be responsible. Step up to the plate. Even in uh, pastoring? Find something that means something and go after it. Like, yeah. Live a life of meaning. Yeah. I mean, oh, uh, don't avoid responsibility, exclamation point, excuses. Because <laughs> then you, like, deal with, because even in pastoring, it's like people tell what they want to do or what they, like, God's told them to do. 
And then it's followed by all of like the excuses that we let get in front of us, whether they're mental or whatever they are. Yeah, what's stopping you now? And it's like, I love one of my favorite quotes. I don't know who said it. Sorry, I can't give you credit, but it just said something you might know. It just says, if you did what you were capable of, you would astound yourself. Mm. Because it's like, we let all this stuff block us, but when we look back, sometimes we go, wow, like that's, that's crazy. Like that happened through me. Cause I never would have thought I could have done that or whatever, you yeah. know? Well, it's easier to not do that. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you try to do something great and you fail, then all you got it, all you have to blame is yourself. Like I failed or you come up with all this stuff. Right. But if you, yeah. if you don't dare to do something great, and or live a life of meaning yeah. you can always say I could have and in a way I love failing because I'm like I've, I'm going to learn something yeah you this. fail forward and it and it stinks when people don't learn from that failure or fail once and go I'll never do that or try that again mm. and then you look at all the success stories of people that fail 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 and learn so much great knowledge and wisdom from that failure that then it, like went on to be uber successful in whatever they were doing like Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a thousand failures to every success, right? Yeah. And some guys, 2,000. <laughs> For you. Well, when I started dating. Da-da-da! No, it didn't take me 2,000. Yes. I just missed her call. I will call her back. <laughs> hey, babe, if you're listening to this, sorry. <laughs> my bad. Um, Mike, I appreciate you. I love you. And, uh, I love you too, brother. It's just been. Thanks for hanging out with me. It's been real. <laughs> And so uh, we're going to leave on the triumphant exit. We already played this, but it's just good. So don't avoid responsibility. I thought about Spider-Man, but it's not. It's a different quote. I know that. <laughs> That's Mike's quote, not Spider-Man's quote. But, man, I appreciate you, and uh, I'm just going to play this triumphant exit. Thanks for having me, dude. Do you want to do a voiceover? Like, do you have, like, I've never heard you really, like, do voiceover stuff or like oh look at me I'm John or like something Mm-mm. now coming up on this podcast we have John Dell and Mike Watson to discuss manhood dude that perfect I didn't even know that other machine stuff was there hey guys we'll see you next Monday thank you for listening God bless you we love you have a great week in Jesus name amen amen <laughs>